James 5.13 Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him praise God. Sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up, and he, if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we stand in need, you'd minister, that you'd bless Heal us spiritually. Strengthen our church. Heal our church. Lord, you see the diseases we carry. You see our weaknesses and our infirmities. Lord, we want to be useful in your service. So bless us, we pray, in our Savior's name. Amen. You may be seated. We'll start this evening with a pop quiz. It won't be a part of your final grade, but it might help prepare you for graduation. Here we are, Calvary Independent Baptist Church, Wednesday evening, midweek, gather together on a Wednesday evening. What should we call this service? This isn't the, this isn't the test, this isn't the quiz. What should we call this service? In some churches, this is the, the midweek service. In some churches, this is a Bible study. In other churches, this is simply prayer meeting. What do we call this meeting? Assuming this is one of our prayer meetings, what should be our primary purpose in gathering together to pray? The pop question quiz is this. What should be the highest of all our prayer requests? What should be at the very top of our prayer requests? Here's a clue to the correct answer. We go back to last Sunday evening's text. Last Sunday night, we had a message from John 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer. Some of you are trying to cheat on the pop quiz. I can see that right now. Turn back there. If we take verse number one of John 17 to be an example of our highest prayer requests, what should be our foremost desire? If we take what Jesus said in verse number one. Does anyone remember that verse? I didn't highlight that verse on Sunday night. I'll admit to that. Jesus began his divine conversation by speaking of himself, saying, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may glorify thee. That thy Son also may glorify thee. If that is the standard we are to follow in prayer, if that is the epitome of our prayer requests, 
then even if we're praying for ourselves, it should be driven by the desire, Lord, glorify yourself in me. Thank you, God, for giving me day number 25,137 or whatever it is in your life. Thank you for giving me this day or setting it in front of me. Now glorify yourself in this day in my life. Your prayer could contain the desire, heal me of this disease that I might be able to continue in this desire to glorify your name. Or it could also contain, and Lord, if this disease glorifies you, then bless this disease. May the Lord be glorified. While praying for yourself, praying for your loved ones, we have examples of that here in the context. While praying for one another, let's remember James' exhortation, pray for one another. Again, what should be our primary goal, our primary desire when we pray for one another? Father, the hour is coming. Glorify thy children that thy children may glorify thee. And if someone is not one of your children, save that soul, Lord, and glorify yourself in the salvation of that individual. Let's begin by reminding ourselves of the rest of James' statement in verse number 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In the context of a church body, there may be a hundred people and a hundred different things about which we could spend time in prayer. There are sick. There may be impoverished people in that service. There are people who are lonely for whom we should pray. There are sick, as I've already said. There, there, there are babes in Christ. There are people who ought not to be babes, but they're immature in the Lord. There are people who are struggling with particular doctrines. There are others who are struggling with uh, uh, special temptations. There are people who are confused. There are people who are angry. The list could go on and on and on. Things about which we should pray or could pray. Sometimes members of the body are aware of the cancer in the body, but many times we're not. And this is one reason why James tells us to confess our own weaknesses, our problems, and our sins one to another. For the health of the body, these spiritual diseases need to be cured, either cut out or, or cured in whatever fashion is necessary. And nine times out of ten, you and I need the Lord's guidance to still our minds and guide our hands for that necessary surgery. Pray one for another that ye 
may be healed. And I remind you once again that the word ye does not refer to individuals. It refers to the group, the church, the body. Sometimes we may see our problems and we may know about the difficulties through which others in the church are, are suffering. They've told us. And our hearts go out to them, leading us to pray for God's blessing and God's solution for their particular problem. But often, we pray more about the symptom than we do uh, for a, a real solution to the problem. Maybe we pray in such a way that we might be blessed if that person is cured. Sometimes we pray for that person and we sincerely want that person to be blessed. But we don't pray the Christ-like way. Father, bless that person in a way that you will be glorified. Besides the Lord Jesus, what other examples of prayer do we find in the New Testament which can help us to understand what James is telling us here in verse number 16? We can, for example, find other people praying for themselves. It's not very common, but we do find it. Jesus was praying for himself. Please turn to 2 Corinthians 12. Paul was praying for himself. He wasn't, wasn't feeling very well. It sounds like he was in physical pain. Had a thorn in the flesh. Not in his soul. Not in his spirit. In his flesh. Believing in the sovereignty of God and recognizing that the Lord controls all things, he acknowledges this affliction to be in God's will. May, he might have thought Satan may have been involved, but it's obviously the Lord's will that I suffer this. 2 Corinthians 12, 8. So for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. I prayed to the Lord on several occasions, one, two, three, that this might be taken from me. He prayed that the uh, increasing pain or the growing blindness or the stomach problems, uh, uh, neuropathy, uh, curvature of the spine or whatever it was, he prayed that it might be removed. He humbly, sincerely asked the Lord, Asking the omnipotent God who can miraculously correct any or all of these things. Lord, take this thorn from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Somehow the Lord spoke to Paul. And through Paul, he speaks to us. He tells us that sometimes... Our physical problems are going to continue. He will not remove them. They're going to be there. So Paul concluded, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, 
then am I strong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the conclusion of Paul's prayer about God's power and God's glory? Whatever you have for me, Lord, I want it to produce in me an opportunity to serve you, and I want you to be glorified in it. Yes, he prayed for himself, but ultimately it was that God would be glorified either in Paul's strength or in his weakness. Whatever, Lord, whatever. Often high on our prayer list are God's physical blessings on our friends, on our loved ones. But remember that it may be God's will and it may be for God's glory that we remain in pain, that our friend continue to be sick or even deteriorate. It may be that our loved one will die the death of the righteous. It's the Lord's will. In our myopic condition, in our nearsightedness, we don't know the Lord's, I was going to say end game, but that's not very theological. We don't know what the Lord's plan is out there. We see only this far in front of us and we say, we want things to be changed. When the Lord sees way down there something much grander, much greater. And we have no business arguing. Even Christians need to let Jehovah be the God that he is. And we certainly can't point to James 5.16 and try to argue that it is God's will to heal everybody. The healing of this verse isn't physical, it's spiritual. The healing in this verse isn't individual, it is ecclesiastical. Let's look at some other New Testament prayers which might help us to understand what James is saying. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Beginning in verse number 3, we find one of the longest sentences in the Bible. It goes on for verse after verse after verse. We'll just read part of it. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Now skip down to verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. We continually pray for you and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that ye might walk worthy of the Lord, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Paul prayed that the Colossian Christians would be filled with God's will, wisdom, spiritual understanding. He wanted them to live lives in a way that was worthy of the Lord, which ultimately means the Lord's glory. 
He was praying that they would be strengthened in the Lord's glorious power, moving toward joyful patience, among other things. And what was the purpose of each of these items? Well, praising or paraphrasing the Lord Jesus. Father, the, the hour has come. Glorify thy children that thy children may glorify thee. That should be the summary of our prayers for one another. Heal us. Strengthen us. Fill us. Give us patience that we may glorify thee. Ephesians 1. Now turn to Ephesians 1. We have another very long sentence describing Paul's prayers for this group of saints. In Ephesus, not Colossae this time. Ephesians 1. Uh, where I want to start with wherefore I also where is that I didn't write down the verse 15. 15 thank you very much wherefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you all in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom I am praying that the Lord give you the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward to believe according to the working of his mighty power. If we finish reading down through the end of the, the chapter, we wouldn't find any of the requests that we usually bring up in our prayer meetings. Instead, we hear Paul praying, God grant to us, God grant to you the spirit of wisdom and knowledge of Christ. Why? Because the more we know of the Lord, the more glory he will receive from us. And we hear Paul praying, God, grant us the spirit of wisdom and knowledge. Lord, make us to fully understand the hope of your calling and the riches of our inheritance in Christ. He later goes on to say, or use the word glory. Why do we need these things? For God's glory. God, bless those, who, bless those of us who believe by giving us the exceeding greatness of the power of Christ. When we have the greatness of the power of Christ, He, Christ, will be magnified. Yeah. Not us. He will be. What was Paul's prayer for the Ephesians? That God be glorified through them. He picks up this same theme in, in chapter 3. Verse number one, just reading through it, we see the purpose. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
of whom the whole heaven, uh, the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, not the body, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Hmm. Now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Again, paraphrasing the Lord Jesus. Father, the hour is come. Bless thy children, that thy children may be able to bless thee, glorify thee. Philippians chapter 1, verse 8. Philippians 1.8 begins another of Paul's prayers, and it leads, needs very little explanation to its purpose and point. God is my record, how greatly I long after you, you all, in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that she may approve things that are excellent, that she may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, mm. being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. Why am I beseeching God for these things on your behalf? So that God would be glorified, yes. that people would praise his name. James says, pray one for another. What sort of things do you want us to pray, James? Pray that the brethren be sincere and without personal offense until the day that Christ returns. Pray that you and your brethren will be filled with the fruits of righteousness for the glory and the praise of God. I find it interesting, if not significant, I don't know that it is, I find it interesting that most of the references that I've given to you this evening come from the introductions that Paul gives in each of these letters. Another is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Just a couple of verses here. 11 and 12. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. None of these prayers of Paul were about food and raiment. If you remember, the Lord Jesus has told us, don't worry about these things. Your father knows that you have need of these things. None of these prayers contain requests for healing, for feeling better. They're all about spiritual things. 
And couldn't they all have contained the Lord's words? Father, the hour has come. Meet these needs in your people that they might bring glory to your name. I have to confess that most of my prayers are not like these. Mm. And I have to guess, I don't know for a fact, but I would guess that most of yours aren't either. I'm not criticizing the desires of your heart, and I'm not criticizing my own. I'm just saying that as we pray for physical needs of our loved ones, that we keep climbing higher. It's not just about taking away that man's disease, cutting out that poison tissue or whatever. Is God going to be, how is the Lord going to be glorified in it? We should be praying for the Lord's glory. We may need to make sure that our requests are ultimately the same as the Savior's was. Yes. There in that high priestly prayer of chapter 17. Amen. In Hebrews 13, Paul asks his friends to pray for him. Please pray for me. Applying that, as you pray for me, as you pray for your favorite missionary, as you pray for our speaker who will be here in December, or our services this Lord's Day, Listen to what Paul requested. Pray for us that we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live and serve God honestly. Pray for those who minister God's word that their consciences might be able to say, I am absolutely clear of any personal agenda or any resting of the scripture. Pray that the ministry of the church, whether it's sweeping the carpets or mowing the lawn or buying donuts or knocking on doors or preaching the word, that it all be for the glory of God. Father, the hour is come. This is the time. We may not have many more hours. Glorify thy church. Thy church may glorify thee. James says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We may, we may not. Look at the last part of that verse next week. Mm.